0: Looking at Al Gore, who's on a public scene, and we can all see that if there are any values that he's living by, (laughs) he missed them when he took that stream jet and he's flying around the globe and with his big mansion and all these other things. So it seems as if, though, people that are telling us this, that the world is going to end, they're benefiting from it, benefiting from it financially. There's a profit that they're getting out of it. You're telling me, I can't do it. But not you, Joshua, but others, they're doing it. And they're benefiting from it. He was vice president. He's now a multimillionaire from, you know, hawking this whole thing that the world is going to end from global change to climate change. And, you know, the ice is melting. It's like, but buddy, why are you in that stream jet? You know, stop flying the stream jet. You're telling me, but look at what you're doing. So when we hear this and when we see this, it's like, but he's not looking by his values.
1: Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. I think that most people will find my conversation with Rob unexpected, but talking with someone like him has long been one of my goals. People keep associating the environment and acting on it with the political left, But everybody wants clean air, clean water, clean land. Regular listeners know Rob from my appearing on his new show at magamedia.org. That's MAGA as in Trump's Make America Great Again. Rob supports Trump enthusiastically and describes himself on Twitter as the black conservative cowboy. And in New York City, announcing those views so passionately reads of a heartfelt, deliberate decision. We met after he introduced himself to me after my second talk at Google. Now, I dislike the left's co-opting the environment as a wedge issue it seems to me that they're trying to use it to win, to beat the other side. I don't see trying to beat the other side as working. I also don't see combining the environment with things that the right dislikes as effective, especially given who won the last presidential election and his environmental views and actions, that is Trump's. If you think the quote I started this episode with, of Rob describing the effect of Al Gore's personal behavior on the right, if you think that's unfair or irrelevant, I suggest that you're missing out that leadership means understanding what motivates those you want to lead, to learn their beliefs and views, Leadership has to start with where they are, not where you want them to be or where you think they should be or where you think is right, but where they are. For context, I recommend listening to my episode describing how Rob and I met, which is episode 266, Thoughts on My MAGA Interview, and my appearance on his show. I link to both in the text of this episode. It's a long conversation, but if you value people you wouldn't expect to communicate, learning from each other and sharing with each other, you'll love this episode. If you don't see the point in engaging with people who disagree with you, you probably won't like this episode. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Rob Harper. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Joshua? I'm very good. And I thought I would start by how we met, but maybe I could ask you to introduce yourself. Uh, I kind of want to start with how we met. How we met is fine with me. All right. And I'm going to say how I remember it, and then you tell me me how you remember it or tell the listeners how you remember it. So about a month or two ago, I gave a talk at Google, and the talk was at their request, or I talked to them, and it was um, how to start a podcast for the environment. And I went and gave the talk and and I believe it's on this podcast. I posted the audio from that. And there's a couple of pictures of it online. And I spoke about how I started my podcast. And my goal was to help others to start a podcast too, specifically about the environment. And then afterward, you came up to me a bit and spoke with me. And later when we spoke the next time, you said how when you first heard that it was on the, I think you anticipated a talk on how to start a podcast. Instead, it was about the environment. And you said you expected, oh, no, I got two hours of someone is probably going to lecture me about uh, what I'm doing is wrong and what I should be doing instead and all this stuff. And now I don't know this until later. And I walked people through how to get your first podcast going, how I do mine. And then later you said, would you ask me if I would be on your not podcast, but your video show. And uh, I think you, you said it's MAGA Media. M-A-G-A, as in Make America Great Again. Right. And I think there was, on your part, a bit of, I wonder what I'm doing here. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know. Uh, and then that led to, I was a guest on your podcast. Podcast? I don't know. I, I was, I was guest interviewed. It was a video. Right. And it was a conversation. And, okay, my read from you was that you are, you support Trump very strongly. Yes. But I felt on a personal level, me and you, a strong curiosity- of like, why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Coming from a genuine curiosity, not a argumentative place or not a disproving place. Right. And and I was kind of curious where that came from. And I don't see my message as particularly political. And I did a thing recently, a podcast recently, about when I went to the march that was here, I felt not welcome because I had a later meeting at Stern and I was wearing a, like business clothes. And I felt like that's, I should feel the most welcome because business people can make decisions. I felt like there's a big institution that had taken a message and said, that's ours. We're going to take that. We're going to make that message ours and it's going to be a wedge and we're going to win and we're going to defeat them. And I felt like this didn't fit with my message. And I didn't feel you in that either. Right. I didn't feel you doing it from another direction. Right. So I doubt many listeners are Trump supporters. I did have one guest a while ago that I, and I sent you these, these, um, the ink articles right. about this woman who I met because she responded to my ink article saying, If you're a Trump supporter, I'd like to meet. And so all of this was saying, This is someone I want to get on the show. Uh-huh. And I appeared on your. Oh, okay. I'm going to close. I've been talking too much. Sorry to <laughs> all the listeners that have heard me before. But um, after we recorded, it was video. And you said, All right, it's being edited right now. You emailed me and said, It's being edited right now. But we mentioned you at the tail end of this other episode. So the episode just before mine. Was something like forty-five minutes, and the first forty minutes is you guys. uh, It's you and what's the other person's name? Uh, You and the other guy, Andy, Andy, are talking about various issues of the day. Exactly. And at the end, he says, "Oh, it looks like you got a climate activist coming up." And the way he said "climate activist" sounded like it sounded like he said the word "moron." (laughs) And he said, "On the contrary, it's not a climate. He's not a climate activist. He's someone who's doing what he he's living a certain way." Right. And then, and people can see that. And then for the full details, and then they can watch and listen to our conversation. And then the next episode was you and Andy talking about the decade. And you're wrapping everything up of like the decade. And at the end, you were talking about Greta. And you're like, and one of the things you said was, why can't everyone be like Joshua? Uh-huh. And I thought, I've just been on three consecutive episodes. <laughs> so that leads to where we are now. We, and, and actually, one last thing. We scheduled to do this recording last week and we scheduled 2 hours one for cooking eating famous no packaging vegetable stew right and one for recording you came over 3 hours later we were just having a i think fair to say wonderful conversation yes was it full of agreement no was it full it was just curiosity and right. sharing and okay so i've just i just blew my wad that's me that's how <laughs> that's how we met my, right So now
0: my memory of it, somewhat the same. Uh, When I came in, I was looking to find out about podcasts because I do a lot of podcasts. And so a friend of mine said, hey, you should uh, check out Google. They're giving a class. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll check it out. So waiting around, you know, and, you know, we enter. I remember it being kind of a dreary day because I was looking on the outside. You know, it was really kind of dark and whatnot. We're getting dark. And as soon as we walked in, you said something to the effect of how many are you are... Something along the lines of concern about the environment or environmentalist or something. And I did an eye roll and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is like going to be a waste of my time. But you know, I walked in, I sat down on the far end, I'm like watching this guy and he's like looking at everyone. And I'm like, this is not supposed to be about the environment, it's supposed to be about a podcast. So you open it up and you said, well, I'm going to tell you how I do my podcast by sharing with you something that I do. And then you started talking about your podcast and environmental and whatnot. So I'm thinking, is this guy for real? <laughs> is he for real? So as you were talking, I had my laptop and I was there and I was Googling everything about him, things that he was saying. It was like, I'm like, okay, let me see who this guy is and see if he is being true to what he's saying. So one of the things that you mentioned was emptying your garbage, not not flying, and eating non-packaged foods. I'm like, that's next to impossible. I'm like, there's no way. So immediately started Googling you, and I was looking at your, uh, your your blog, and you were talking about it. I'm like, okay. And I kept going while you were talking. I'm like, okay. He doesn't seem like he's going to like be preachy or whatnot. But still, you know, me being the skeptic that I am, I'm like, I'm just going to test this guy out and see if he's being truthful. So after the class... I remember you, well, before the class was over, you had made an offer. You said, hey, and if you guys are doing a podcast, you know, I would like to appear on your podcast. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So let me see if he will appear on my podcast or this magazine that I, uh, online publication that I write for, megamedia.org. So after class, you're talking to a few people. I waited, I waited. I'm like, okay, now here's my, my opportunity. So I took up my card and I'm like, hey. Um, you know, good speech and whatnot. I was wondering if you would be interested to appear on my my podcast or this online publication that I write for. And he looked and he said, okay, sure. And I said, here's my card. And I wrote down the, uh, the URL for, for him to look at it online. I said, take a look at it and let me know. He said, sure. And I got ready to give you my card. And you said, well, why don't you just email me and I'll get back with you. And so yes, I don't and, have to and, get the card. <laughs> right. And in my mind, I, thought, I was thinking, aha, uh-huh. so he heard Mega Media. He's probably trying to get out of it. So he's not going to respond. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll try. So I immediately left the class. And I emailed him right then and there. I'm like, okay, let's see if he's going to respond. Okay, so later that night, I'd forgotten all about it. And I think it was the next day or later on that night, I saw your email and you said, sure, let's do it. And I thought to myself, did this guy actually look at the site? Did he look at what I had like told what I was telling him? I'm like, okay, I guess so. I'm like, but you know, it doesn't matter. You know, he said he's open to it, so we'll do it. So I think I contacted you a couple of times trying to arrange a date that we could do the uh the taping and whatnot. And then when we finally were able to do it, I was saying to myself, now, this guy is either gonna come off as being some wacko, and he's gonna be, he's gonna like attack, 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 or He'll just talk. And I'm like, the approach that I'm going to take is I'm just going to let him say whatever he wants to say, you know, and I'm not going to agree or disagree, just be a conversationalist. I I like having conversations with people. And the day of the recording, sure enough, that's what we got. And uh, it was a conversation and I actually posted it on Twitter and um, I wanted, and I titled it, one of the things that I said in the posting, I said, are you a climate change denier or a realist? We all know the world will eventually end someday, somewhere and somehow but in 12 years' time, doubtful. Read one man's unique approach on it all, my conversation with Joshua Spodek. And that
1: oh, yeah, it's, it's, Spodek. it's Spodek. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. Spodek.
0: I'm sorry about that. Spodek. And one thing led to the next. And, you know, I posted our uh, video session. I got a lot of feedback. I think it was almost uh, 39 people responded. I was retweeted 200. Is it high or low? I would say that's, well, it it all depends on what you're talking about. But it was retweeted 251 times, which is, you know, pretty high. And people loved it 236 times. So considering the topic that we were discussing, I thought it was interesting that people took the time to retweet and to converse about it. And then some of the comments that were made, they weren't people who were attacking. There were some doubts out there. And there were people who DM me and they were asking me (laughs) that, you know, is this guy for real? You know, I don't believe this and whatnot. But I think the fact that your approach was completely different from what we see in today's, you know, the discourse that we see out there today on social media was completely different. You know, you weren't attacking and you weren't saying you got to do this or the world is going to end. You pretty much took it from the uh, viewpoint of this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm living my life. And I think you constantly said, living by your values. These are your values. So I think that made it people, you know, it was as if though you weren't attacking them. You were just saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. So people were more willing to look at it. And I would say, read the tweets and to retweet it. So that was my recollection of things. And as you said, after that, We've had subsequent conversations. We we're going to tape, but we got you know just so in depth in number of conversations that we were having that we didn't get a chance to tape until today. So,
1: yeah. I also, there's more stuff that occurred to me that your I, your Twitter handle. Yes. I don't know if that's a handle, but it says uh, "Black Conservative Cowboy." Yes. And I read that as passionate. Mm-hmm. It's you don't accidentally put that up there, right? And it's not what people would expect. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a lot in you. I was very curious, like, who is this person? You also weren't, there's a lot of, one might expect MAGA media might attack people that disagree with them, Mm -hmm. and but I didn't read that. I didn't feel that. And so I was really curious, what were the goals? Like, you're kind of curious, but that didn't mean your listeners or your audience would be. Right.
0: Well, I think for for me, one of the goals, there is a misconception that, you know, most black people are Democrats. You know, we all follow that, you know, the liberal line of thinking and whatnot. Uh, I would say for me personally, on physically, I am conservative. On the social level, I would say more moderate to liberal. That being said, I think that there is a voice out there that people need to hear that they don't hear because of all of the backwards and forth, the screaming and the yelling. And I want it to be that voice, so to speak, And show people that you can have a conversation with someone that you don't agree with, and it can still be civil. Since putting that handle on there, the conservative black cowboy, I mean, I've got a lot of pushback from uh, a lot of blacks saying, "Oh, you're crazy! You're out of your mind! There are no black conservatives!" And tell me, how can you be a conservative? Look at what conservatives do.
1: I feel like there's a black conservative on the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes,
0: yes, but but you know, but they but they don't consider him. I'm sorry, they don't consider him a black person. I don't know what they consider him as being, but he's he's dismissed completely. And I remember once uh, the poet Maya Angelou said that you know he is our brother. We don't have the same political persuasion, but he is still our brother, and we should not just dismiss him so easily, as a lot of blacks have done. Because if you're not a liberal, if you're not a Democrat, you are quickly dismissed. Uh, the only one I think that they have embraced is Colin Powell, and they've like completely uh, embraced him for whatever reason, I'm yet to figure it out. But all of the other black conservatives, like Condoleezza Rice, completely dismissed. And you look at the uh, what they have given to society and the things that they have accomplished. You would think that they would be embraced, albeit you don't like their political persuasion. But the things that they have done to uh, to set positive examples, you would think that. It would be embraced, but it's not. So hence, going back to my handle, I thought, okay, what way can I, you know, get people to look and to listen other than just to change my handle? I think it was just Rob J. H. Wan, uh, Enigma, to the conservative black cowboy. And just going back to something you said about Donald Trump, I actually put it there uh, once he was elected because he was, to me, speaking to some of the concerns and issues that I have always had within the
1: black community. Yeah. So speaking about Trump, not Trump, but the, there's there's a guest that I've had on, and uh, Chase Amante, and he's an, a long friend of mine, and he is very skeptical about the environment. Mm-hmm. And I recorded some stuff earlier, and the quality of the audio wasn't very good, so I put up a different recording with him, but the first time he said to me, his views on the environment were, str- like, he's, sorry to the listeners, but it's similar to what you and I were talking about before we recorded, mm-hmm. and... He said, you know, from time, from the dawn of history, people have been saying the earth is going to end. Right. It's been, you know, at the time of Zeus, it was something yep. there. And since the time, whatever, everyone's always saying the earth's going to end. never ends, hasn't ended yet. And there's a lot of happy people out today. And so he's just very skeptical. Mm-hmm. And to me, the science seems pretty clear. So I think, all right, I'm just going to like talk to him a couple of times and he'll realize he just doesn't know some stuff. And once he learns it, then he'll get it. <laughs> So I start sharing some stuff with him. And every time I send him like an article, he's like, but did you notice this? And like the the stuff, it wasn't conclusive. Mm -hmm. And finally, I sent him the whole damn IPCC report pointing out points. Like I read it more than I ever had before. And of course, I don't know anyone who's read the whole thing, but I read a bunch of it. And I sent him and pointed out some certain parts. And he writes back to me and says, actually... A lot of these things, they've you, you'll say they recalibrate the thermometer sometimes, and they make a, an adjustment. The adjustment always, and he said, and I am like, yeah, that happens. That's science. And he goes, well, if that were the case, you'd expect sometimes it would go up, sometimes it would go down. You uh, get expect it randomly. Right. He said, it's always one direction. <laughs> and I thought, this guy knows who he's talking about. Like, I am not. It's not a matter of I know and he doesn't. Uh-huh. There are so many variables going on here. Right. The interpretation is so, it's so open to interpretation that there being no problem seems within the error bars. Right. Now, it doesn't look that way to me, but I'm, I'm looking at the data with my biases and everyone's looking at the data with their biases. And so I ended up learning more from him in ways I totally didn't expect. Right. I thought I was going to teach him a lesson mm-hmm. in science. Instead, right. one of the big things I've learned is that science and math and numbers and statistics... That's all a guide to how you choose. But the choice is is partly informed by rationality and reason. But even that is based on your reasoning from a set of assumptions. Ultimately, we're human beings and we make choices. And and I got a lesson in more civics from him Mm -hmm. of listening and understanding. And that was a big, that change in me, I can't say to someone, look at this, this, and this, and this. And therefore, you must do that. I can't. It hasn't worked out for me that way. Right. I mean, if I could
0: just add, like you said, with Trump being nominated, and then when he withdrew us from the Paris uh, climate thing, or whatever it was, uh, people, that's when I think the sense of heighten with the world is going to come to an end. And from my view, as I've said before, I do believe that at some point in time, the world will end. Is it going to be tomorrow? Doubtful. Could happen. In the realm of possibility, anything can happen. But I think most people are fed up with others, um, and I'll, just in political terms, on the right, you know, saying, uh, on the left, rather, saying that, you know, the, if you don't stop doing this, the world is going to end within 12 years. And I think that's one of the things that drew me toward you when we were talking or listening to what you were saying. You weren't preaching to me that the world was going to end, or this is what I should do. It's more so, I'm living by my values, and this is what I'm doing. And throughout the conversation, you never once said, oh, you should stop doing this and you should stop doing that. It was more so, I'm living by my values. And I think there was a gentleman in the class, in fact, who you called up and you were talking to him and you were asking him a question about, you know, what could he do or something along those lines. And he wanted to do what you were doing. You said, well, no, that's what I'm doing. What can you do? So I was thinking, I'm like, no, but, you know, so I thought this is interesting because you're not telling this guy he needs to do this or that I need to do this. So again, being the skeptic that I am, while you were talking, I was still Googling what you were saying, and after the class, I did more research, and I'm like, okay, And none of his blogs, he's telling people this is what they should do. It was more so a glimpse into your life as to some of the things that you're doing, living by your values, and this little thing that I'm doing, if this helps, okay, fine, as opposed to what we see today with people that are preaching to us, like I said, and telling us If you don't stop eating meat, if you don't stop using a straw, the world is going to end. Now, maybe plastic, the straws, it's a small part as to what's harming the environment. But to tell me or someone else, you've got to stop doing it because that is it. We're not going to just like take that and like, okay, fine, we're going to stop this. And it's like, no, why why should I? And you're probably using it yourself. As I told you, when I came here, I'm just like looking around at your place and like, let me see if there was an evidence or something that he said that he's doing that he's not doing. So that I could say, aha, but there wasn't. And even if there was, again, you were telling me, this is what I'm doing, living by my values. And that is a big difference from what we see today that's out there with people pushing their agenda on others by saying, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to stop doing it because it's you. You're the reason why the world is going to come to an end. We've heard that argument for the past couple of decades. The world is still here. You know, I'm still here. I'm talking to you about it. You know, What happened? Why didn't the world end back in the 80s or the 90s when you told me, not you, Joshua, but what others said, it was going to end? And now they've told us 12 years. We're going to give it 12 years. 12 years. Well, I'm telling you, I pulled up my calendar, and I'm marking down the days. And if in the 12th year it doesn't end, I am going to push back that much more, as well as other people, because that's what we've been told, and we're here.
1: Yeah. I, you're, so your view is going to be different than virtually anyone that I spoke to. I, as much as I learned from Chase, uh-huh. I, I really thought, I, I have a very selfish perspective in, inside on these conversations, because I want to learn when I'm calm. This flies out the window when I'm in an argument, sadly. <laughs> But when I'm calm, I know that if someone disagrees with me, then I have something to learn from that person. Because if I, I presume that I would agree with them if I had their background and the, their beliefs and so forth. So I don't know their beliefs.
0: Right.
1: And I don't know your beliefs. That means there's, there, there's access to not just you, but lots of people. Right. So you on your own are interesting and, and seem passionate and devoted and, and disciplined and so, and so forth. It also seems like there's a lot of people, uh, Trump got elected. Mm-hmm. and He's in the running for the next one. So that's a lot of people that I don't know anything about. Right. But let me ask you this, not to cut you, but not knowing our beliefs, but knowing that for
0: one, or numero uno, we don't like being told the world is going to end when it hasn't ended yet. I mean, that's like an affront in our face. So if others know that, that if you start down that line telling me that the world is going to end, and I'm like, but it hasn't ended that in itself is going to set us off. Well, not me in particular, but it's going to set other people off because we're going to, they're going to come back and say, but it hasn't ended yet. And although you might say, yeah, but if you keep doing this, if you keep doing that, they're going to push back and say, but it's not going to end. And I think the fact that it has not ended, that's what had them all riled up. Not that they wanted to end. And I do believe that a lot of people feel that it's going to end. But because it didn't end on the date and the time, they were told that it was supposed to end three decades ago. They're taking they're taking that and they're gonna run with it because for the past couple of decades they've been preached to and told that it's gonna end and they've got to stop doing things. Whereas with you yourself, Joshua, you're not doing that again, it goes back to living by my values.
1: And you come over and you're like, and <laughs> like the joy that I have is doing burpees. Uh-huh. And like I'm like I love it. It's right. it's like one of the great parts of my life. Mm-hmm. A mansion would get in the way of that. It's that that doesn't make sense. Like a Learjet would be a, a huge distraction uh-huh. and a big mess. Right. That would get in the way of eating fresh vegetables.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when you're when people are like what you know like there must be some like some sign of like some fakery or something like that. Right. To me, it's like I want to get rid of that stuff as much as they do. Right. Right.
0: But I think so many people because they've heard it so many times, and I and people that they've heard it by, like Al Gore pushed this really heavily. Uh, back in the 90s, early 2000, about the world coming to an end, climate change and whatnot. I think first it was global warming, then they switched to climate change. There's always a new name every, seems like every decade, that people don't buy into it. And when you look at, like you say, you're living by your values. And when, what I've seen, because I've been testing you on your values, just in case you didn't know it. I've been looking at your blog, and I've been like, let me see if he's living by those values. And, you know, coming here and uh, sharing uh, a meal with you, it's like, okay, so far he's living by the values. but. I'm still watching, you know, so I'm still watching you. But looking at Al Gore, who's on a public scene, and we can all see that if there are any values that he's living by, (laughs) he missed them when he took that stream jet and he's flying around the globe and with his big mansion and all these other things. So it seems as if, though, people that are telling us this, that the world is going to end, they're benefiting from it. benefiting from it financially. There's a profit that they're getting out of it. You're telling me, I can't do it, but not you, Joshua, but others, they're doing it and they're benefiting from it. He was vice president. He's now a multimillionaire from, you know, hawking this whole thing that the world is going to end from global change to climate change. And, you know, the ice is melting. It's like, but buddy, why are you in that stream jet? You know, stop flying the stream jet. You're telling me, but look at what you're doing. So when we hear this and when we see
1: this, it's like, but he's not living by his values, you know? Not that he have any ballots, you know, who knows? There's a couple things. One of them is that uh, I'm glad you said some of this because I never got why when someone would say they're being duped by the scientists who are trying to get that research money. I'm like, I've been a scientist. There's no money in it. It's like that. It doesn't make any. I can see why. OK, someone's telling me to do something. It's not benefiting me. It must be benefiting them or else they wouldn't say it. And so what's the benefit? And you like, chase the money, and that's the flow of money is to research. But I'm like, that's pittance money, and it's for a very unglamorous lifestyle. I don't see anyone benefiting from it. So I never quite... Now I see why it would make, why it would make sense to say it's the scientists are, are doing it for that reason. And, and if I could just
0: add something on to that, like you said, like, the scientists, there's no money in it, but then we're looking at, okay, so the scientists are doing the research and they're reporting back, this is going to happen. But then we have the spokespeople who are out there, like the Al Gore's, like the entertainment industry... They're doing it because people will listen to them so they say, you know. So they're the, the spokespersons. They're out there. They're telling us this. We're looking at it saying, oh, yeah, but look at all that money you have. And look at all the luxury that you're able to enjoy. And you don't want me to enjoy that. I can't enjoy my soda and a steak. And you're going to go to a five-star restaurant and you're going to enjoy yours. It's like, what is this? It's like it's not fair, you know. Yeah. So that's that's what I think a lot of people are looking at. Right. There's no money from the to the people that are doing the research, but the people who are out front that
1: are... So maybe they got co-opted. Like there's a flow of money and then someone was like, I can do this. Well, I, like because, I can use this to...
0: Exactly. Because if I look at their lifestyle and they're more than likely, they'll say, well, just because I'm saying don't do it doesn't mean that I'm not doing it either. I'm getting a paycheck, you know, so of course I'm going to do this, you know, so I'm thinking, ah, oh, there you go, you know. You lied to me, so I don't believe it at all. So it's like, you know, don't be mad at the messenger. But the messenger in this instance happens to be someone who has the influence, you know, that people are going to listen to. If I were to go out there and say it, they're like, "Uh, yeah, right, ha, 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 ha. But if you take some movie star, entertainer, you know, who has a lot of following, people are going to listen to that person if they say, hey, you know, global change, global change. strategy on my podcast, yeah.
1: Except I want it to only come through authentic, genuine expression of themselves. Right. If I can't find anything authentic and genuine to draw out, I'm not going to, I can't take the next step.
0: So why don't you, I would think you would be the person who would be the spokesperson for, you know, hey, we're not going to preach to these people because it's not going to get it. You know, they're not going to get it if you preach to them. Let's just, just say, hey, this is how I'm living. You know, and like, as I did with the Twitter, you know, if you guys can, you know, go on to Twitter, RobJH1, and you'll see the article, the article is also on uh, Josh's uh, blog, uh, what we talked about. It's There's a difference when you're talking to a person and when you're preaching to a person. And if I'm talking to you and I'm telling you, hey, you know, this is what I'm looking at. This is what, you know, the scientists are saying. The numbers are showing, you know, you might want to consider it as opposed to preaching and saying, hey, you've got to do it. You don't do it. Because I will tell you most of the time, people aren't looking at that research. They're just listening to what people are saying. And they're looking, they're stepping outside and they're looking around them. They're saying, hey, I see the tree. It's green. You know, yeah, I see the pollution, but I'm still here. So what are they talking about? Now, of course, again, the next day could be worse. But they're looking at the visual, not at something that they're reading. They're like, hey, I'm breathing, I'm sleeping, I see what's out there. I don't get it. You know, what are they talking about? And eventually the world is going to end. So what I'm doing, is it going to cause the world to end? No, come on.
1: My acting on these things changed everything for me because before I, before I did the no packaging food stuff and got to taste fresh vegetables and really got the joy and deliciousness from that... Mm-hmm. My message at the, before that was just as – it was the same as what you're talking about, that, that it was just like, here's what you should do. Look, the right. science is overwhelming, and, uh, and if you don't, then it's going to be really bad. And, and I try to build it up with, like, um, talking about movements in the past where, right. like, things really happened, and now it's time to do it. Mm-hmm. And people push back on that, and they really didn't like it. Okay, if someone has not acted and lived by the values that they're telling others to, they don't know what it's like. And I believe that they all think it's going to suck. That's why they're not doing it. Right. I did too. And then I found out it doesn't suck. It's like, by analogy, I mean, a lot of people kind of get that like Facebook doesn't actually make your life better. <laughs> it, I mean, maybe for some people it does, but for a lot of people, uh-huh. it's it's a very superficial relationship right. that takes the place of meaningful relationships. And there's all sorts of studies about, I don't know, it leading to depression or stuff. I don't know. I, I don't really follow that. Right. Likewise, there's a lot of behaviors that are aided by polluting technologies mm-hmm. that don't make our lives better. And I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And now that I now that I've experienced, oh, my life my life is better. I spend more time with family for not flying around. Right. My diet is cheaper, more convenient, and it okay. Everyone knows all this stuff if they listen to my podcast. And it's better. I mean, by my values, it's better. Right. And so I could, if someone hasn't tried it, all they can say is do this or, you're, or it's going to be really bad, which is, I would not call leadership. That's management at best, but they can't say you're going to love it. I didn't hear that message from anyone, mm-hmm. but when I experienced it, I felt like that you can lead with. Right. And if someone doesn't expect it in any way that their life can be better, I got nothing to work with. But if they have a sense of better in themselves, their, their values say they'd like Less lead in their kids, what their kids breathe, because that lowers their IQ. If they want cleaner land, more pure air, and I think that I can help them achieve that. That's what I want to do. Right. But how long did it take you to get
0: to that point? We people want immediate gratification. So by you, the non-packaged foods and you know eating it, and then like, okay, this is fine. This is what I'm doing. How long did it take you to get there? And then. Taking into consideration someone else who's looking at that saying, I'm not going to go to that extreme. To them, it's an extreme. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, no, I'm not going to do it. Yes, the world will end eventually, but do I need to go to that extreme to get there?
1: Well, you know, I, I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten, eaten meat it's gonna be 30 years in a couple months. And if other people eat it, that's their business. Mm-hmm. I would like to live it. Okay, right now there's all Wait, this- I'm sorry. What you just said there, you said
0: if other people eat it, that's their business. But we don't hear that. From other from the, the climate people yeah, that are saying we hear that you eat meat, oh my gosh, you're killing Bambi and you're killing the cows and blah 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 blah. You know, see meat well, me before it, too. Right, but that just flowed out. You're like, hey, I don't eat meat. If other people eat meat, that's them. You know, it's just a matter of fact, matter of course. But we don't hear that from the people that are pushing this. We hear that we're damned because we're eating meat, and not that, oh, that's up to you. It's, they're going to jump in a soapbox and they're going to beat us upside the head and say, hey, you're bad because you're doing these things.
1: Yeah, I, that's really annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can tell you that for a, a, at least a couple of years after I stopped eating meat, I was like that. Uh-huh. But, you know, eventually you talk to, like people would say, how can you have compassion for something and then eat it? And then you talk to uh, hunters and they sound very compassionate about the animals too. Right. They're not trying to hurt the animal, but they realize they got to eat. So I was like, they don't sound insincere. And so I learned from them. And then I was reading about um, in places that live more subsistence, uh, the San Bushmen in South Africa, in Southern Africa. I was reading this book, um, Affluence Without Abundance. It was very influential on me. Mm-hmm. And it's people will just, they actually, a friend of mine lived with them for, he did like some touristy thing where he lived with them for a little while. And he's like, yeah, when they're hungry, they just go out and come back and they got some animal that they eat. And, and we've been doing
0: that since the beginning of time. People have gone out, you know, the cavemen or whatnot, if you believe in cavemen. And, you know, they would kill and they would eat. And that has been going on for, you know, t- down through the centuries. But now, at this point in time, what
1: changed? Yeah, so when you say since dawn of time, I mean, 200,000 years. They have archaeological records of them living there. Presumably something like that. You know, it's hard to say exactly. and just since industrial revolution, we got a couple hundred years and we're trashing everything. That's what it looks like to me. (laughs) So I'm going to like, I think that the way that works for 200,000 years, we got, I think we have a bit to learn from them Mm -hmm. and maybe the overrunning things in a couple hundred years, maybe we've, we've a bit of uh, something we think isn't the thing is right. Maybe isn't so. So this is just to say that like, at least with the eating meat, I, I don't see the, the dogmatism doesn't work for me. Right. And people who eat meat seem, there seem to be some really cool people who eat meat. I eat meat. I think I'm cool. And, and so what can I say? I mean, the animals are going to die. <laughs> and so I don't see a moral issue in, in, in meat eating. I know a lot of other people do, but that, that's again, their business. Right. Uh, with the environment. I don't know what's, to, who's to say that, that um, worst case, imagine billions of people die. I don't like that outcome. I don't know. Maybe other people like it, but, if that seems like the outcome, if someone doesn't agree with that outcome, well, maybe I can talk to them and see what, what I got wrong mm-hmm. or see what they don't see. But I'm not going to say that – I don't know how, how this will sound. I'm not going to say that that's wrong. If they believe that it's wrong, I'm going to help them with what they want to do to act on it, right. right that wrong in their from their perspective. But if they don't think it's wrong, me telling them that it's wrong – That now, this now we're just going to argue, right? And that's what I think it's right. No, but I think it's wrong. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it's right. Well, I think it's wrong. So, Andy, let me just get
0: one thing straight. So, you're saying because I'm accountable, I'm not going to be damned.
1: (laughs) If you're not acting by your values, okay, you're gonna have more troubles, and that's your trouble. That's like, but if you're living by your values, Mm -hmm. my value, the stuff with the with the like the morality stuff, it's it's venting. I think that they feel like. I didn't believe it. And then they start reading and they're like, oh, this looks pretty serious. I've got to do something. And then they start acting. Right. And and they realize that more has to be done. And so they want more to happen. And actually, here's a pattern that I think happens a lot is that people, something changes, what changes people's minds? It's not just, it's it's sometimes that they read something, but it's probably more something like, uh, something leads them to change their behavior, to change their mind. And then they later are like, should I do this or not? Like maybe they stop eating meat. And they're like, well, should I keep doing this or not? And if they just go by mainstream society, it's tipping over more toward not eating meat, but most people eat meat. And so it's easier to keep eating meat. So they got to read some stuff to reinforce the new beliefs, the new right. stuff. Then they, so they'll read something about like um, factory farming and how what it does. So I, I don't like factory farming. That'll work against, but that's not the same thing as eating meat. Uh, and there's not this overlap, huge overlap in this country, but it's not a necessary overlap. And so they'll start reading stuff and this will really incense them. And that jacks up their emotions. And like, this is, if this doesn't doesn't convince anyone, nothing will. Okay, that actually isn't what motivated them. That's what reinforced the beliefs, but what motivated them was something else. Mm -hmm. If you, I think a, a leadership technique is to walk someone through a similar experience so that they can discover what you discovered. They're leading with something that didn't actually, it's not actually what happened with them. It felt like that's why they do it, right. but that's not why they started doing it. That's what reinforces after they've already changed their, their behavior. Mm-hmm. They're putting the cart before the horse. They're saying like, because this convinced me, but it didn't. Right. It should convince you. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's, it's all sorts of mess up. It's very counterproductive.
0: So again, what we see today is people trying to push their opinions on others and If those opinions aren't accepted, the opposing side is told that, you know, they're wrong, they're bad, they're bad people. And in this instance, with the whole uh, climate change, I think that the opposing side feels that, okay, first it's meat, then plastic, lead a pretty much boring life, you know, the way they view it. And if you're going to take all that away, the next thing you're going to take away, you're going to say, hmm, maybe we should look at the plants and you shouldn't eat plants either. You know, that it's like, what am I left to eat? What am I doing here? If I can, Most people feel that if I can eat meat and do all this other stuff, I'm enjoying life. And we've heard the expression, ah, let's have a great, a big, nice steak, T-bone steak. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you have those who are saying you're affecting the climate. You know, you can't do that because you're harming the animals. Like all these things that you're doing, wrapped up, you're bad because you're doing it.
1: Well, I think that there, there's a, the middle step of, of they... There's an emotional jack up, uh-huh. uh, emotional gaining of int- increase of intensity. And if they don't have leadership skills, then they're going to try to convince, they're going to try to, I should say, affect what I consider effective leadership skills. They're just going to keep venting. They're going to do what they fall back on. Our schools don't teach influence and persuasion in a way besides debate. And actually, our schools are among the most authoritarian <laughs> institutions around. Uh-huh. And so we, and, and, and you don't see the movie... When Tommy Lee Jones takes control of the scene, he's like, "Oh, you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that," and and they're like, "Yes, sir, we're gonna." And like, that's not how it happens. And if it does happen that way in a crisis mode, that's the result of years of working together to build up where the team can have each other's back like that. Uh But people just jump into that and like, well, you do this?" And then the person's like, "I don't want to do that." And you're like, "Well, then get doing more." Uh And like, that's not. This what we've. I think we're. You fall back on what you what you've trained, what what, we've learned. What you Uh you fall back on past behavior. That's the behavior we have. Right. And there's a comfort. That's a predominant cultural view of, of leadership is, is more coercion. Uh-huh. And um, I still do that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, if you ask enough of my friends, they're be like, yeah, he's constantly doing that. <laughs> Although I will say I'm pretty sure it's a lot less now than before. Right. When I first started doing this, I, I, before the podcast was a set of talks that I gave at NYU, mainly to past students and friends and, and clients and colleagues. And it was met with very strong distaste. It was just like, stop telling me what to do. Right. I wanted to give up many, many times. I was like, you don't get it? Like, you don't see the problem? You don't want to do anything about it? You deal with it. Like, I can, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if I want to, I can make it to my death very happy. And if I just, I, I, materially speaking, I can, I can do fine. And if the whole world falls apart in some time and, and the U.S. is at, at civil war or something like that, okay, I don't know if I can make it there. But no one else can either. <laughs> But is my life about my material comfort? Can I think of any role model where I feel like what makes them a role model to me is, that the, is the creature comforts that they had around them? No one's like that for me. And what makes my life most meaningful, what brings it purpose and meaning is the relationships that I have, mm-hmm. the people around me that, and not just around me, but that's where jets can't add up to it. In this day and age, in this time, based on my understanding of nature, there's a big task ahead of us, and some people see it, and we really want to work on it, and I want to work with those people. Right. And there's, that means a, a healthy dose of skepticism is necessary because for all the reasons of John Stuart Mill, of like if you don't, if you're, if you don't have your idea attacked, you don't know what you're talking about. You, may be, you might be right, but you still don't really know. And if someone else has a an appealing perspective, but that even they might accept is wrong, mm-hmm. but it's still appealing. And they can say it in a very, in a very, in a way that people are like, "Da, I wanna do that. But even they would agree that it would take everyone to a place that they don't like. I don't want to be in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. This is hypothetical, but if even they would agree that if I were to change, I'd be glad that I did. I want to help them change. Right. I wanna do what works.
0: Mm-hmm. So that being said, just going back to you know living the values and me being the skeptic, as I said before, I do believe that at some point in time, the world will end eventually, not within 12 years. Well, there's a possibility, If there's a probability anything can happen. And, and that makes me the skeptic because I'm like, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but it might happen, who knows? But, so when I came here a couple of Saturdays ago and we had the meal... And you told me that what you were making, because I wanted to see if this were true about non-packaged. And I didn't know what I was going to encounter, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch and see what he's doing, you know. He's living by the values and he's not forcing anything on me. You know, so I watched you prepare the meal from uh, vegetables. I was waiting for the spices. There was no no spices. I'm like, okay, what what have I gotten myself into? And you chopped it all up, you know. I think there were black beans and, you know, the other stuff. And you, what, what else was in that? I think that one was
1: probably cabbage because it's January. Black beans, cabbage. And there's a sweet potato uh-huh. and I think carrots. Okay, and carrots. And then, and then nutritional yeast.
0: Okay, so all of those who were looking at that on Twitter, <laughs> that's what the meal consisted of. No meat whatsoever. I'm telling you, there was no meat. So you put it in the pressure cooker. No oil either. And, and no oil, but there was water.
1: Water, yeah. Water.
0: Okay, no salt, no pepper. Okay, put it in the pressure cooker, and we continued to talk about the environment and other, and other things. And while you were talking, I kept looking at the pressure cooker and wondering if he's going to open it up, put some peppers, put some of this in it. It was nothing. And I think halfway through when it was cooking, I mentioned to you, I said, now, if I were coming from the outside, inside, I would think, okay, we're having pot roast. Or some oh, the smell, in. yeah. The, from the smell, the aroma, you know, some type of meat dish. But... I saw what you were making, and there was no meat. So I'm thinking, okay, fine. <laughs> well, let's see what happens. So I don't know. How long did it take to you know, prepare to get together for you before it was done?
1: You mean, oh, the prep time?
0: Well, not the prep time, but once you put it inside the,
1: the – uh, Oh, the cro- yeah. The, the cooking cooker. time was nine minutes Okay, because black beans, nine minutes. But it takes time to warm up the – heat up the water to get the pressure up. So it's okay. probably 20 minutes cooking. 20, 20 minutes. Okay. And then the prep time – 20 minutes? I okay. mean, we were, we were talking a lot. Okay,
0: so well, no, about an hour or so. So once it was done and you served it, and I was looking at it the entire time thinking, okay, then I asked you again, there's no uh, spices? You're like, no, just just try it.
1: <laughs> well, at the end, I would put on at least nuts and onions.
0: Nuts and onions, but before, the, the, the customary spices, uh, salt, and pepper,
1: which oh, a lot there, of people, um, yes. in the nutritionist, I put in some—there uh, was some turmeric.
0: Turmeric, okay, but no salt. And pepper.
1: Yeah, which the the most people like. Okay, right, which I didn't use. I don't care for that. But
0: anyway, so you put it in a bowl. Presentation was nice. I was like, hey, here, try this. Here it is. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> if this doesn't kill me, I'll be back. <laughs> and it did it, you know. And interestingly enough, I was surprised because it tastes as if though I was eating uh, lentil soup. And then you called it a stew. It's a stew, right? To me, a stew has meat. Like, where is the meat? <laughs> there was no meat. You know, and I think I had two helpings of it because there was a the first helping and then the second helping. I think you put some type of was it peanut butter or mixture on top?
1: I mean, definitely nuts. Okay, it was um, a powdery thing that you put. Oh, the, no, the, the chocolate was uh, the cocoa, cocoa yeah the cocoa, cocoa right, on it.
0: Cocoa uh, for the second helping. So, and I'm here today, I didn't die, and I thought, uh-huh. wow, this is, this is really interesting. So again, going back to, you know, bringing it full circle, you know, living by your values and not being preachy, and you didn't even say, hey, you got to, hey, Rob, you know, try this, you're just like, here it is, you know, it's up to you. And, you know, I partake, I'm thinking, okay, fine, you know, still he's not being preachy, preachy with as to why well, I should like this or whatnot, and you just presented it. And it goes back to, you know, the conversation that we're having, in today's society, those who don't believe in or support the whole thing with climate change, we're being told that we are bad people. And going into tied in with the leadership thing, I don't see you know us being well. We're being led, but we're being forced led to you know accept the fact that we're the guilty parties, and it's because of us that things are going to end the way they're going to end in twelve years' time. You know. A lot of people that are out there, that are saying that. But when I came here and you said, hey, try this. And it wasn't as if though you were saying, hey, this is why I'm making this because I'm going to save the environment. Throughout the conversation, you kept saying, these are my values. This works for me. This is what I'm doing. You know, And I think that if that was the approach, that because people are genuinely concerned as to how they're living and what's going to happen next. But I think it's the degree that we're being told and how it's being forced down our throats to this is it. This is the only way that there is a great pushback. And then you have a 16-year-old child on the stage now who's telling us the same thing. That like, wait a minute, this person hasn't lived as long as I have, especially someone who's probably 90 years old who's saying, oh, my God, they've been saying this for the past five decades and we're still here. I'm 90. I was supposed to be gone when I was 60, you know. So it's not people aren't receptive to it, you know. Whereas maybe if, maybe you should open up a kitchen, you know, Josh's kitchen, oh, you know, I'm and crazy. people should come in and, you know, try this. And then when they come in, you can say, look, I'm not preachy, but, you know, have you thought about this? And this one might add a couple of more years on to the environment or to our life, you know, who
1: knows? <laughs> I do want to start a restaurant. I, I didn't talk about that. No. <laughs> people kept suggesting it to me and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it kept making sense. And uh-huh. so now there's a whole business model that I'm like. Really? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with rent and salaries and stuff like that. So okay. if someone pops into my life who is a successful New York city based restaurant operator, right. And, but they don't have the, I'm not a chef trained, you know, like, right. but, but I haven't flown, I'll be starting my fifth year in a couple of months, all the stuff that people know, right? right. Like that there's a genuineness and authenticity that'll take others years to catch up to. Right. And to the extent that that's valuable for the restaurant, mm-hmm. I have that. Right. And I have this food that I think is really good. And a way of doing it that is uh, that I think would work really well. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make there's a restaurant idea. I'm not going to go into all the depth here. Right. But anyone who's listening, <laughs> if you know the, a person who is looking for like the next awesome thing, because like dig in and sweet green have no, they're not even close mm-hmm. to what I want to do.
0: Right.
1: I'll have to go back about the meat. Yes. People, what people eat is their business. But I'm a big fan of. I think. I guess you put it like. Everyone can punch in the air as much as they want. Right. If they punch in my nose, I think I'm glad that there's legislation to stop that. <laughs> How, when, when my behavior affects someone else, right. I accept legislation to, to regulate that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of the big things about environmental regulation, oh man, I've spoken to a bunch of scientists and they're like, we want to go to Senate and get this stuff through. I'm like, that's not democratic. I mean, if you can get the, de- the, the, the you're trying to subvert the democratic process. You're trying to go around the people. You you think that because you're right, that what you're doing is justified, mm-hmm. but so does everyone else. Right. I'm, I'm a big fan of of legislation that, about how one person's behavior hurts, has the potential to hurt someone defenseless otherwise. I, I'm a big fan of traffic signals. And I don't feel like, yeah, there are times when I'm in a red light and I feel like if it weren't for this red light, I could go. And I stop at a red light. Mm-hmm. I haven't driven in a long time, but- I stop at a red light, even if it's midnight, and I can see in every direction all around. Right. I still stop at the red light. I don't know. I could go through, and no, one, there would be no harm to anyone. I have no problem with those laws there, mm-hmm. and and they, they came about through means that I think everybody would consider uh, democratic or fair, and, so, right. and a lot of people think they're fair. I want legislation like that mm-hmm. that people feel like, yeah, I don't want. I don't see much benefit except to the factory owner of pouring mercury into a river. I want that to if there's if that's going to be regulated which I believe it should, Mm -hmm. then I would want that to come only through a fair process. Right. So that people could, I hope that people, we just aren't going to agree on everything. And there's some things that laws that I don't agree with, but I still follow. So eating meat could easily fall under that when there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there's dead zones outside the mouth of the Mississippi uh, into the the, um, uh, Gulf of Mexico that seems to be hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. based on the nitrites and, and, and the pollution that comes off the factory farms and the stuff like that. So I, th- I think there's a pretty clear case that I feel would be compelling that would lead to legislation on that. Right. I would like to live in a world where the ratio of people to nature is that people can, that, you know, nature will, when there's only a million people on the planet, Right. people can do whatever they want and it's not going to affect there's just too big of a world it can just process stuff. You can put all the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere they you want. A few more trees will grow. And there's only a million people on the planet. No problem. But we're not in a million. We're 10, we're approaching 10 billion. And in a situation like this, it's like a factory that's running just in time. If one, if one thing breaks, you have to stop the whole factory. Whereas if you have a few stores of, of, of extra stuff here and there, if one thing breaks, you can keep running with the stores elsewhere, fix this machine, or keep running the stores from that machine, fix that machine and then get it back up again. So actually running it maybe 90% efficiency is actually more profitable than running it 100% efficiency. Well, we're up at really high efficiency, our world. A little currency fluctuation in in Thailand can affect everything the next day. So in that context, eating meat can can affect others, a lot of other people. So I would support legislation on it if it was fairly gone through, but I'd like to live in a world where... The population, the ratio of humans to nature allows people to eat meat. Right. So now, until we have that, it tightening the belts could be necessary or could help. Now, in my experience growing up eating meat and liking it, I know that my taste changed and I there's no going back. The bigger things are with the flying, with all my all the other later dietary things. And when I pick up, you know, I pick up a piece of garbage every day, at least one piece of garbage when I'm outside. And when I pick it up, I think from the outside observer, they would say he's getting dirt on him. And so they they would observe a behavior in me that they would then connect. It would go to like the dirty part of their brain. When I do it, it goes to the clean part of my brain. (laughs) It feels like a clean act because I'm making my world cleaner.
0: Right.
1: And I'm not trying to create, I believe that most people have in them something very similar that... We can't change the past. There's a lot of litter on the ground here in New York City. There's a lot of litter on the beaches. There's a lot in the oceans. And I think that we can clean the world relative to what it is now. And moving toward cleanliness makes me feel more clean than uh, leaving it the way it is. I don't think I'm special about that. I don't think there's something that's like, Josh has got this genetic thing where he can feel clean where others can't. When I've talked to other people and they have chosen for their reasons acting on their values led them to also pick up garbage every day or for on whatever pace they did it, they reported be feeling the same way. In fact, that's what switched me from doing the talks at NYU to this podcast was having a conversation with a friend of mine and it's written up in an ink article. It was a July 4th article called, it was like make America clean again, something like that. <laughs> and because I'm, I'm talking to some guy and I'm telling him I pick up a piece of trash every day. And he just, on his own, says, you know, I'm going to pick up 10 pieces of trash a day for 30 days. I didn't ask him to do it. I didn't right. tell him to do it. I wasn't even thinking of influencing him. Did I tell you this before? Yes. Okay. But they didn't. Go, go ahead. Okay. So at the end of 30 days, I asked him, how, how did it go? And he said a bunch of things, but two big ones were, one was he felt weird picking up garbage at the beginning. <laughs> at the end, he felt weird passing it by without picking it up. Right. Then because of what he did, he thought I could do, he felt like he could do more. And so he chose to do something. He looked up, what could I do beyond this? And he came up with eating less meat and he lifts. So macros, balancing macros was something that was interesting to him. So that it wasn't a trivial thing for him just to cut it out. He had to replace, I don't know, He had to figure that out. So he decided in that time, he would also have his meat, meat intake. So this hit me. That's funny. I've been trying to motivate people and it only got them pushing back. Mm-hmm. I didn't try to motivate him and it worked. Right. What happened? And so that- I studied, Studied. I mean, it tried to disentangle what happened there. Mm-hmm. And that started this podcast with trying to ask people to, I thought if they go through an experience, then that experience of, I thought, I anticipated they would feel joy and, and community and things like that. And that if they did, then they would, I, I think that would change their views. I think that they would have results like he did Right. of, well, oh, now I want to do more. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. And over the course of, I guess I'm up to 275 some episodes, but somewhere around like hundred episodes in, it started clicking of like the techniques. I found like what was working and taking out what wasn't working. And I'm not saying it's the only way, but it seems to work pretty well. So it's this process that my first TEDx talk describes Mm -hmm. of you know speaking with them so they share what they care about and then helping them come up with something for them to act on what they care about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, well, changing one person doesn't make a difference. And I agree with that but I separate what one person does. That's living, to me, the word integrity comes to mind. It's living by one's values. That's a better life on one level, but I'm not doing what I'm doing with the expectation or even hope that people will see it and change themselves. I'm happy if they use, use, use me as, as a role model, but that's not what I'm doing it for. Separately, I'm leading. Right. I believe. Whether I'm effective or not, time will tell. But my personal behavior is separate from leading, leading. But if I don't behave consistently with how I lead, I have no credibility right. if I'm telling people to do something that I myself don't live by. Right, and just a couple of things like that you were saying. Like I myself, I'm not going
0: out picking up garbage or trash or from the streets and whatnot. But that being said, I don't want to see people polluting and just throwing things down. You know, like well, and, and I think that's a belief by some that you know if you don't believe in climate change, you're okay with people polluting. And that's not it at all. If someone's throwing something down, I want to say, hey, don't do it. Pick it up, you know. But, you know, I don't. I, I continue my way. And then something else that you mentioned about being legislation to change the laws. I think that's something that a lot of people want to do is just to force their belief, get enough people there that believe what we're saying, and we'll force the naysayers to buy into it.
1: Yeah, and they're combining it with a lot of issues that aren't necessarily relevant.
0: Exactly. And it's not going to be you know received because people are going to still continue to do what they do, as opposed to, as what you're doing, like you said, living by my values. And if I think that people could see yeah, and, that.
1: And leading others. And, and leading others. Yeah, not just stopping there.
0: Right. And if, if people could look at that and say, hey, you know, what can I do? What am I doing as opposed to someone trying to push it or Force me to do it. Because if you force someone to do something, they're not, going to, they're not going to want to do it. And if they do do it, as soon as they have the opportunity to stop doing it, they're going to stop doing it.
1: They're going to want to undermine your authority. Right. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not, it's effective at something, but it's almost mm-hmm. the opposite of what the person wants. Exactly. I, I think that that's part of the reason why I get annoyed at, at um, an authoritarian approach. And because I also think, here's another selfish thing on my part, is that it didn't occur to me until our conversation that conservatives, I'm, I'm digging in on Jonathan Haidt. So uh, his book, The Righteous Mind, he he points out, and I, I find it compelling, but I can't really cite it. But people should, I recommend people reading that book. Uh, he talks about how conservatives tend to uh, they organize more effectively. They, or they they have a value to organization or to hierarchy, and that that liberals don't.
0: Right.
1: And everyone read the book. I don't remember if I get it right. <laughs> But there's something that there was a difference there between liberals and conservatives. And I thought, well, I think liberals and cons- I don't think liberals like clean air, clean water, clean land any more than anyone else. I think I don't. I think that's, ap- I, I view that as apolitical. Right. There is a wedge issue that, is, that has emerged. Mm-hmm. But if conservatives start, and I'm not sure if I'm using the right terminology, people on the right, I, I hope people understand vaguely what I mean. If they started getting on board and seeing this as a purity, cleanliness issue and not, if, if the wedge got taken out, and this became, like, if they saw pollution the way that they'd see, like, someone's garbage on their own lawn, then I could see, is it possible, I wonder, for this to catch on and become a a clean America issue that conservatives could really feel confident about? Like, they don't want plastic on the beach either. I don't think they want plastic right. on the beach. And it, they may want steak, but they don't want—I doubt that they want people injured— making the steak because the uh, this is not an environmental thing, but those f- feedlots are just really brutal places to work. Mm-hmm. But they, they probably don't want needless suffering for the animals, even if they expect to eat them. Mm-hmm. I think even hunter, I, I, the hunters, I don't see them like intentionally causing pain. Right. They seem to be trying to minimize it and trying to connect with the animal. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine people who are now affected, reacting as you're describing mm-hmm. from like, who are you to tell me all this stuff? You, you keep every time you tell me it, it's not happening. I believed you before. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, and right. now I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I could see them saying, "Forget them." Like the, that's look at my lawn. Right. Look at my kids' lunch. Mm-hmm. Like this is look at look at the obesity in this nation. Like this is connect. The, the, like do we want this? Right.
0: Well, and that's that's a good point because
1: what what you're saying,
0: I think that when you really look at it, we have the same wants and the needs, and we hope no one is intentionally wanting the environment to be destroyed or whatnot. And the analogy that you gave, or the example with the conservative having their lawn, someone dumping garbage on it, no one wants that, you know. I'd be the first person to come out and say, hey, get that out of here, you know. But I think it is the, the approach that's taken by many as to what's happening that's not receptive to a lot of conservatives. The school launched the same way. Now you want to tell me what I can and what I can't feed my child. It goes back to you know the authoritarian person uh, telling us what to do and what we can't do. We can't make those decisions ourselves. I think a few years ago we had a mayor here who was telling us, well, you can't drink the big gulp drinks. What do you mean I can't drink? If I have the money, I can buy it. You know, wasn't well, that good for your health? Okay, let me decide that. You know, if a person wants to drink that and kill off, you know, that's up to them. But to force it down my throat. I don't think that it's right. It's not fair. And I'm going to push back every time because I view it as if though you're taking my right, you're infringing on my rights. What's good for you might not be good for me, you know? As long as we're not hurting anyone per se, like you gave the example of someone punching you in the nose, you're like, I'm glad that there are laws that keep people from doing that. But then on the other spectrum, now you're trying to infringe on other things, make it become a nanny state and say, you can't do this, you can't do that, because we've decided, because we feel that uh, it's gonna, the world's gonna end. It's like, but it hasn't ended yet. Again, I do believe that the world will end and I won't be in it, unfortunately. But that being said, why force those? But why are you forcing things on me that when I'm looking at it, it hasn't happened yet? We're still moving along. And this does not say, that I want you to go out and throw paper on the lawn or on the streets or whatnot. I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying is that the extent as to what some people, how people are taking it, it's just like stop. Let's let's take a, a, a pause, a step back, because it's not to that degree yet.
1: I don't know what other people might be thinking of what I should do or not talking to you. And I, to me, learning this stuff from your perspective mm-hmm. is if I until I learn it, I don't know who you are. Right. And when I say you, I don't just mean you, but like a lot of people. I was actually talking to someone very religious a couple of weeks ago. And he was describing, he said that there were, I'm I'm paraphrasing best I can, but he was saying that like among religious people who expect an end to come soon in some way, he says that, and some of them want the end to come soon. (laughs) And he was saying that there are some who feel like if the world is going to end and it's like imminent, the best thing you can do is to save the people closest to you. And recognize that there's a reason it's all falling apart for the rest and they're they're going down. Right. Now, he said he knows people like that, but he himself is like, he thinks that there's enough time that we can save many more people. Mm -hmm. So he wants to, he, his religious beliefs are leading him to want to save as many people as he can. And therefore he's trying to, his method is very similar to mine, or his goals are very similar to mine. But he says a lot of other people and they think, save what we can and let it go down. (laughs) And so a message that says the house is on fire, they're like, all the more reason to, to like circle the wagons with us and let them go down. And if that means flying around, then and then they're helping the process. Now, I don't, that certainly fits with other people's descriptions of, of communities that I've heard before, so I can believe people feel that way. Right. I don't feel that way.
0: Well, you know, and just, just going on, playing off of that— if that were the case, a conservative would say, well, you know, I'm going to be saved. You guys are the ones who are going to be destroyed because, you know, I believe in, uh, I have a spiritual belief that you guys don't have it. So it's because of your non-belief that the world is going to be destroyed
1: and I will be saved. Yeah, so the, the danger, houses on fire, panic message to them is like, they're going to press on the gas. I don't know how many there are. Maybe there's like just him or maybe there's a lot. I don't know. In any case, the reason I bring it up is I want to learn who these people are, right? Because I can't. The leadership leadership is about the other person, right? And I'm talking to you in part because I I think that there's something there. Uh-huh. I don't know who else to talk to,
0: right?
1: To reach people who are Trump supporters, right. if they're not around here, and if they are, they're not saying it. Uh-huh. And the ones the connections that I do have haven't really panned out very well, despite my attempts. Uh-huh. But I think I imagine there can be a time when it is a not political issue that it is a, I mean, the military early on saw the dangers, not early on, but they, they were early, long time ago saying, this is a serious problem. It's a destabilizing thing with like nations disappearing, coastlines changing. Right. And they're not looking at it like, but what, how's that going to affect the next election? Mm-hmm. They're thinking we got to protect America. I mean, Florida being underwater, it's like, that's a big blow to America. That's not a military issue. Right. But, I mean, losing that much land could be pretty serious business. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm talking to you and we're having a, a lovely conversation. I would mm-hmm. characterize it. Well, that's not that's the first word that comes to mind. It's not usually what I call lovely. But I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm right. getting a lot out of it. I look forward to more.
0: Right.
1: I don't know how other people are going to hear this because there were some of the responses to the tweets. I didn't see any... I don't remember any attacks, but they were definitely like delusional or something like that. Right. So, I don't know how other people are going to hear this. But I think that no one has tried leading in the environment what i you know they've tried coercion doom and gloom guilt and shame uh facts and figures but i don't call that leadership Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that's bad i'm not saying that's good bad whatever it's just not what i call leadership and i think scientists educators journalists uh politicians they aren't generally trained in leadership nor are they experienced in it right uh some are Mm -hmm. and i don't want to claim that i'm like you know eisenhower here (laughs) but i want to try right and I wonder if there's openness in a community that I hadn't really reached before to also see or experience, it's great, it's awesome. Like right. it's more community, more joy, more connection with the people that you care about. In my case, it's been, that's been the case with me with the people that I care about. And I was about to say, I'm willing to give some creature comforts for that, but I'm getting creature benefits. <laughs> I mean, I'm eating more healthy. I'm right. eating more delicious. Yes. I'm spending less money and it's me and, and that's leading to more connection. It's all feeding together. I feel like we took this turn at some point toward growth and externalizing costs. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. And this little side effect of like, there's a bit of waste that when you're thinking of like when someone invented plastic and they see the Pacific ocean, there's no way you can fill the Pacific ocean, right. nor could we empty it a fish. And yet, the projections that there's gonna be more plastic than fish in the ocean, whether that's accurate or not, I don't know, but it looks like that's the direction. There's definitely more plastic now than there was before. And there's definitely fewer fish now or less fish than there was before. And I forget where it's going. But I I wonder if, oh, yeah, if people can see or if people will also share my experience of, wait a minute, this, this actually improves life. All that, like having my food delivered every single meal. Right. Or this is how I see it. This is how I feel. Broccoli tastes better than Doritos, but if you've just been eating a bunch of Doritos, broccoli tastes like cardboard. I don't know, it takes two weeks, maybe a month of no added salt, sugar, fat, and then you start heightening the tastes for fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. To me now, zucchini is fresh, it tastes sweeter than fruit used to taste. Uh Fruit tastes sweeter than ice cream used to taste, but I'm eating less sugar.
0: Right.
1: And take that to everything. Like flying around, it feels great it feels, but increasingly it feels like Doritos to me. Right. Well, I think
0: just going back to something that you said earlier, as far as reaching people, you know, as having this conversation, two paths crossing, uh, me being a skeptic, like I don't know where this guy's coming from, what he's talking about, until I started to look closely, like I said, and as to who you are and what you're doing. And something that you just mentioned, if we're able to take this whole concern out of the political arena. Just have a conversation and say, hey, this is what we're up against. Whether you believe it or not, that's fine. But if we could do, or you try to do this or that, you know, it might work as opposed to the politicians who are using this as a wedge and other people who people view as making money off of it, you know. Yeah, there's a concern there. You know, there's evidence that what was here years ago is no longer here, and some people will say, "Well, that's just a sign of the times, and it's going to end." Okay, fine, but the environment as a whole—look at the sicknesses, look at the, you know our, our kids who are suffering from asthma and all the other diseases that are coming back. Maybe, just maybe, there is something that we're not doing right. You know, the hold in the ozone or whatnot. There's something that we're not doing right that we perhaps could do better if we were to remove this the political arena and people just start to talk as what we're doing now you know engaging each other sharing ideas and understanding you understanding where I'm coming from and I'm understanding where you're coming from and you're not saying no Rob you've got to do this or you're just saying hey this is what I'm doing you know if you want to do it that's fine but I'm still here and I'm I'm happy you know And, you know, are you happy with what you're doing? If you are, that's fine. But I do think that if we were to remove it from the political arena and just have conversations, people just have regular conversation, you know, without accusing, without pointing the finger, maybe, just maybe, you know, we could perhaps get on the same page or at least agree to lift the page up so that we can look at the other side.
1: Yeah, I'll go a little bit more than just talking because this podcast is about there's the behavioral thing that that people haven't seen my first TEDx talk. They can see the technique that has emerged. And that's led that I think new experiences help a lot. I think it's difficult to change your beliefs if you haven't changed or your priorities, if you haven't experienced something where you expect it to be one way and something else happens. If you keep expecting something and you keep getting what you expect, you'll tend to hold on to that belief, right. whether it's right or wrong or whatever in some abstract sense. But if I believe that, if I believe, you know, it's going to come up heads and it comes up tails, then, oh, my belief, something's up about my belief. Now, some people can hold on to that for a long time and live in denial. But I try to walk people through an experience that they like and that, uh, that it becomes something joyful. Actually, can we transition over into that now? Yes. So you've listened to several episodes. I don't know how many of the episodes you've listened to that were other with guests versus my um, editorials, so the Rants, Raves, and Monologues. You've listened to some with gas, light, Yes. And you saw it on stage at, the, at, the, at Google. Mm-hmm. So um, you've probably thought about this. Uh, what, when you think about the environment, what do you think about? What does the environment mean to you? Is it something that matters to you?
0: Uh, it, it, it does matter to me. I am concerned about the environment, uh, <laughs> the, earth, the air that I breathe. But to the degree of it, again, that it's going to end, my whole thing is, yeah, it will eventually, but not within the 12 years that they're telling me that it's going to end.
1: So when when you do... Have you acted with regard to the environment in any way? Uh, I make certain
0: that I, uh, when I'm emptying my garbage, I put the plastic in the plastic and the other garbage in the other garbage.
1: <laughs> and is that what motivates you to do that? Is it?
0: Uh, you know, that's interesting uh, because sometimes I don't do it. And then I feel guilty. I'm like, "Mm, should I? And then when I, you know, always doing my research, I'm like, I'm just going to see how they're going to of an apartment complex, how they're going to, you know, separate the garbage when it's finally down the chute. And I go on the outside and I watch and it's like, wait, they're putting all the garbage together. So should I even be doing this? But yet still I do it. It makes me feel good that I'm doing it. Although knowing that once it goes down that chute and they pick it up on the other side, they're just going to put it together.
1: So where does the the feeling good comes from something? Is it and you also said, shame if you didn't. Right. And where, like, is, it, is there some vision of the world? Is there some experience that it comes from of like what, it, what it could be? Or what it, know,
0: Actually, I, I can't point to anything exactly to say that there is. I do remember as a child reading back in grade school, the weekly readers, and they were talking about you know, how we're polluting and we need to save the environment. So I guess I'm connecting it back to that. And I feel that, okay, I'm going to do my share and I'm going to separate the plastic from the regular garbage. And that's the extent of it. Uh, and that in itself makes me feel as if though I'm doing my part.
1: Doing your part. Like, okay, so I feel like your part, you're taking for granted something that we understand mm-hmm. of what your part means. Yes. I mean, if you didn't do your part, what would happen? If you do do your part, what happens? How does it change the world? Uh, has it- that's a good question. That's a good
0: question because like I said,
1: sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Uh,
0: and to be honest with you, that is the extent that I take it. I There's just something about separating the plastic from the regular garbage that makes me feel good. Like, I don't want the two to touch. And even when people come to visit me and if they mix it to, it, it bothers me. I'm like, nope. You've got to put this here and that there. I even go as far as to when I'm putting it there, I want it in a particular bag, a clear bag, so that I can see the plastic with the plastic, and the garbage with the garbage. And that's just my little tick, you know, that that's just me.
1: So this good feeling is, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. Like, do you know that it's going to happen? You, and did you start doing this when you were a kid or did, was it only when you were an adult? Uh, actually, it only started when I
0: moved to New York some years ago. Uh, back home when I was in Arkansas, it wasn't really pushed. But when I came here... Ah, I just thought of something. When I came here, where is here? It's a liberal state. Arkansas is a conservative state. So they didn't push this much. That's not to say that's why they did. They did Because they do recycle back home. But uh, yeah, I just it became I became more conscientious as to separating the plastic from the regular garbage when I came here.
1: And you'd like it. Like, if no one else did it, would you still do it? Assuming that it processed in some way.
0: Ah, oh, that's a good question. Also, would I continue to do it? I would like to say yes, because again, I like seeing the plastic in a clear plastic bag where I can look at it and say, here's the plastic and here's the other garbage. I don't know why it's like that. But for me, mentally, I'd like to see it that way.
1: It's a visual thing for me. It's kind of, like I'm trying. To, what I'm not getting is uh, someone told you something when you were young yes, and said... It, to me, when a lot of I felt like when I was a kid, if someone told me like it was right or wrong, i later would have to go revisit all these things and be like, "Is it? Let me let me figure that out for myself." And well, that's 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 another key point that I think a lot of people make
0: is like almost an indoctrination because they start out when we're young and they tell us these things, and we're constantly reading it on the weekly readers, and from grade to grade, we hear about it. So as you said, well, let me go find out on my own. Uh, I would say that I, you know, like recently or not even recently have looked up to see, okay, is this really making a difference if I separate the two? If I have the plastic here and I have the garbage there, does it really make a difference? And then when I see different pictures of garbage at different dump sites and I see all the garbage together, I'm like, oh, okay. They didn't keep it separate. So why am I keeping it separate? Yet and still... I like to keep it separate. Where does it go? If I'm going to separate the two, where, does, where do they take the plastic? Are they taking it somewhere? Are they going to burn it? Or are they just taking it and
1: just dumping it at one site and leaving it there? So I'm reading that there's an interest in this. Like, this is not like just a passing. No, no
0: I would no, say, nor are you say I would say that the interest goes as far as me making certain that the plastic does not touch the other garbage. I don't like that at all. Yeah. And like I said, when I saw that, when I, was, when I put it in the shoot, and I'm like, okay, let me go on the outside and see what's going to happen one day. And I said they were commingling them all together. I'm like, hmm, why are they doing that? And they're telling me not to do it. I'm like, that's interesting. But then, you know, I continued to do it. What
1: about in, if you're in someone else's home and they don't separate it? Does that make a difference? Is it just your home? Or is I will always ask them, awesome. like,
0: what do you guys do with the plastic? Do you separate the plastic? And say, oh, no, we'll just put it the same. I'm like, oh, Okay. It doesn't bother
1: me. Oh, it doesn't? No. It does so it's just your me. home thing. My home thing. Okay. And what are, if your parents' house? does it the same thing there? Uh, my parents' house,
0: they do a separation also with the cans. I don't think with the plastic.
1: Yeah. So I'm reading that there's something you care about here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. It's different than anyone. Of, actually, everyone's <laughs> is different than everyone else's. Based on this caring, and, and does it make your life better to do this? There's no anxiety because I don't, again, I don't
0: like the, for the plastic to touch the other garbage.
1: Are there other sources of anxiety, environmental related? You no, know, <laughs> just like, the plastic. Just so we'll see where this goes. I, I invite you at your option uh-huh. to act on this motivation that's there
0: right.
1: to see if there's something else that you could do. Mm-hmm. And with a couple caveats and a couple of constraints,
0: uh-huh.
1: I'm not asking you to fix all the world's problems by yourself overnight. This is not about the whole world at all. Mm-hmm. It's just about you acting on something that you care about. And so it has to be something new. So I'm happy if you're already doing some things. It Oops. sounds like you're already doing some things. And people keep telling me, well, I'm already doing this. Okay, great. This is for something new. And if it's something acting on what you care about, it, I believe it'll be something you like. Uh-huh. It can't be telling others what to do. I work with a lot of leaders and a lot of them, their first response is, I'll get the team to do X right. when they themselves aren't changing. We learn from our personal experience, not other people's experience. So this is about getting an experience. And it has to have a measurable, you don't have to measure it. And it can be minimal, but in principle, measurable, because a lot of people come back and they say, oh, I'm going to read a book or I'll, I'll get aware. And I'm a big fan of education and awareness and consciousness, but the environment reacts to our behavior. So I'm looking for, and plus we learn from our behavior. So the, the challenges or the invitation, mm-hmm. if and you don't have to, right. the invitation is to think of something that doesn't have to be big, can be small, can be big also, but new, measurable that you do yourself. Right. That's related to the environment. Yeah. And yeah, the measurable result has to, affects the environment in some way that you consider an improvement. And it's, um, most people don't think of something right away, but if we go back and, f- it usually goes back and forth a few times. I can think of two things off the top of my head that bothers me.
0: Uh-huh. Glass containers. Do you recycle them or what? I have thought about it. Uh-huh. I don't like for the, well, again, I don't like for the plastic to be with anything else. I don't like for the glass to be with the regular garbage for some
1: reason. Doesn't in my building the glass goes in with a pay, with a plastic? We don't. It's only plastic. So you need a separate a third container. No, I just put the the glass
0: in with the regular garbage.
1: What would make it less? Annoying? I would.
0: I what bothers me is having the glass with the regular garbage because I think that the glass should be separate also.
1: And you don't separate it because it it won't get. There's no facilities where well, you are. I
0: don't think we've been required to separate it.
1: So. Does this lead you to think of something you could do? And it can be on
0: a trial basis. Well, yeah, no, I would, I mean, like I said, I don't like, I feel that, okay, if the glass, the plastic has its own separate little thing, so should the glass. And again, this is just me, <laughs> me thinking this when I'm putting, throwing away garbage, I'm like, wow, why don't they separate the glass and not put it with the regular garbage? Why can't the glass have a separate container just like the plastic? What's wrong with the glass? You know, and we have a lot of glass, you know, where you go into the store and you're
1: buying different things. So I wonder if you can think of something to act on that, if there's something that's annoying you that maybe you could do something about.
0: Possibly create a a separate bin for the glass and put the glass. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it, but I mean, that's something that I, I could consider putting the, having the glass, its own little special compartment. Okay, the plastic, the glass, and then the regular garbage. And then if I started doing that, I'll probably think of, hmm, I don't like having the uh, vegetable or uh, fruit peels in with the regular garbage also. I want that separate because I'm used to, back home, having a garbage disposal. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I'm like, where's a garbage disposal? You know, I don't have a garbage disposal here. So I put it in with the regular garbage. And I'm thinking, ah, every time I do it, I'm like, I don't like that being there. And it's just me. <laughs> it's one of my little ticks I'm like, I don't like putting that with the regular garbage.
1: So you notice about my composting with the food scraps, right? Yes, you had mentioned that, right? Yeah. Do you live near a farmers market? Because farmers markets, you can uh, drop off your food scraps, and they take it to compost. You know,
0: I think there's one near, I think, uh, the Oculus, the World Trade Center, but I think it's during the summer. I don't know if it's during the winter. I have to look into it.
1: So between the glass, between the food scraps, right? Want to take on a not
0: just food scraps, just the fruits and the vegetables. Okay. I don't care about the others. It's just the fruits and the ve- I like. Maybe I can keep the separate. And that's, that's just me. And your audience is probably saying, ah, oh, he has a problem. <laughs> it's just the fruits and the vegetables.
1: Everyone's got... The glass. <laughs> I can tell you that everyone's got their thing. Everyone's right? got their thing. Right. And food is like, yeah. Anyway, so does, does anything strike you as something you could do that at uh, some time later I'd want to ask you how it went?
0: I could, I could consider the glass because I, that really bothers me. The uh, fruits and vegetables, like I said, the other foods I don't care about. Possibly, maybe, doubtful, but the glass looking like might be a realization there.
1: Okay, so let's make it a smart goal Uh where SMA specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. Right. So let's start with time. How long do you think? Let's make it specific first. Right. So what specifically would you do? And you know, you could say like as long as you like did one bottle that would, right. or maybe you'd want to do like a whole, have your whole building do it. I don't know. But right. if you, what, how can you make it specific? Well, I, when I'm getting ready to discard a bottle, I would put it in a
0: separate container and then I would take it to the uh, repository. And when I see other glasses that are there, that bothers me also. And I'll pick up the glasses and I'll put them inside the sack
1: and I'll put it to the side. Okay. The recycling area. And will you do that uh, for how long, how long would it, you might do it for the rest of you like, but you don't have to. I'm not saying that, right. but. How long would it take before you you were doing this if we had a second conversation right. and I said, how did it go? You could give a meaningful answer.
0: I could possibly start looking at it when I leave here, uh, introduce that a separate bin, possibly for, because I, mean, I don't have a lot of glass that I throw out that I'm thinking of now. But I could, I, I could, I could do it because right now, now that I think about it, like the glass that I do have, I'll take it. Put it in the garbage. I'm like, mm, should it go there? Then some I'll take out and I'll put it in the cupboard upon I'm like, okay, I'll just keep it there. And then once I have a lot, I'll throw them away.
1: So how long doing it, you can give meaningful answers to how it went a week. so far? A, a week? week? Two it's weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks. So um, are we good to, would you be comfortable scheduling a conversation in two weeks? To, two weeks, weeks time. To, that'll to be somewhere. February, yes.
0: So what I'm doing, to be clear, keeping the, the plastic separate and then the glass that I have, the jars or whatnot, separate container, and I will sit them on the outside.
1: And do you want to throw in the part about the fruits and vegetables? Do no, I don't think I'll go that far. I am not think
0: I will far. I'll look at them and say, gosh, that really shouldn't be with the garbage, but okay, let's move on.
1: Well, I know <laughs> I'll ask about, about it. it. Uh, so okay. Something tells me that I, I, I think something non-zero will happen with that regard, but I don't know. <laughs> Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So I walked you through this process. Yes. How did it feel?
0: Because I was always thinking about it, it felt okay. I started thinking about, again, the glasses that I have probably have stored up in my apartment that I really want to get away. Now that I know that I'll just take them out, put them inside of a bag, and
1: put them to the side. And so I walked you through this process. Uh, Are you doing this for me? No. So why why are you doing it? Well, because it's always been on my mind.
0: And now I'm like, okay, now I see what I can do. Because I've always been wondering, what can I do with the glasses? Besides just put them, accumulate them, and then just like throw them out. Now I know that I'm going (laughs) to, there's a purpose. I'm going to put them inside of a bag, and then I will sit them out next to the plastic,
1: making sure that they don't touch, of course. Now, some people would say this is a really tiny thing it won't make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But to me, it feels like playing one scale is not really going to get you to Carnegie Hall. Right. But the people who play Carnegie Hall probably played more scales than anybody else. Right. This to me is a scale. This to me is getting started. Right and well for me
0: doing that i think that uh like i said the anxiety of seeing the glass with the other garbage i think that will lessen the anxiety because now i know okay it has its own little place its own little section and i will take them out and place them where they belong
1: now it may happen that at the end of two weeks you're like this is great and you will never do anything remotely related to the environment again it's possible right if that's the case, that's all there's, that's, that's going to happen with you. And telling you otherwise isn't going to change anything.
0: Well, I will tell you this. Th- there's a little slight anxiety now that I've committed or say that I'm going to do this. That with like, how long am I going to continue doing this? <laughs> am I going to be able to keep this up? With the plastic, I will be able to. But with the glass, I'm like, yikes. Like, God, now I'm going to start incorporating the glass in and put them in their own little separate uh, area, just like the plastic.
1: This to me is, is that experience you will learn from and you will grow from it. Right. I'm happy to walk someone into an experience like that. Uh-huh. And generally they come back and say, I'm glad that, you know, thank you for getting me to do this or something, right. like, something like that. And where did politics come into this? It, it's, and look outside, and there's garbage all over the place. Right. And it's coming from voters of all stripes and the health, this nation's health is like falling through the floor. It's like right. on everywhere, independent of politics. And- now, one thing you said talking, and so you could categorize what this was as conversation, but there's an influence. Well, as I described before, this is what I tried to do with you. If you watched the first TEDx talk, I described the four-step process. Actually, there's a zero step. Does the environment mean anything to you? But you said yes. And uh, to behave and communicate in ways to make the other person feel comfortable, what motivates them, what they care about? Because most people feel vulnerable about that. Mm-hmm. So you, you you're kind of like, uh, well, I'll continue, and then when you connect that to a task, that task will feel meaningful to them. They'll feel inspired. They'll feel it'll be, you'll imbue that task with meaning. The next step is to support. So, a behavior community. I asked you, I prompted you to share something about the environment, but then I just asked you questions. I hope, in a supportive, non-judgmental way, that you could share what you cared about. Right. Now, you are unique. Everyone is unique, and so everyone talks about their thing in their own unique way. It's, in fact, probably one of my favorite favorite parts of the podcast. Partly because I expected that the answer to the question for everyone would be the same as for me, but it wasn't. And in fact, the guy who's got whose answer was closest to mine, is the, is from McDonald's. <laughs> he was the chief sustainability, the head of CSR of corporate social responsibility, and turned. Uh, I was listening to him. I was like, "Hey, that sounds like me." Right. When I talked to scientists, it wasn't the case. When I talked to business people, it wasn't the case. I was like, Interesting. Right. And uh, so you have your thing, and you have your motivations. You care about it. You seemed a bit vulnerable in sharing it, Mm -hmm. but once out there, I think er probably everyone is like, he's got his quirks, but I think they're also like, (laughs) I got my quirks too. Everyone's got their weird food thing. And I suspect that they feel like it's possible that they don't want to hear the second episode with us, Mm -hmm. but probably they want to hear the second episode and they probably want to hear how it went. Right. And they probably want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. It's possible they're listening and they want to say like, ha, he's not going (laughs) to... <laughs> maybe there's someone who disagrees with you. you know, like, ah, I'm gonna, I want to see him look. I want to see him go down. But probably it's more something like, he's got his quirk. I got my quirk. If he can make it his through quirk, make it through his quirk,
0: right?
1: Maybe I can get through mine. And that's what I'm banking on right. is like that people who, people in your audience, people who follow you, people who care about you, people who listen to you, are gonna be influenced by this. That they might be, if you have, a, if you have a terrible experience, then. I don't know. I'll have to learn from that. Right. But if you have an experience, where you're like, "Oh, that wasn't so bad." Like my life, there was no cost and benefit. Anything non-zero is an improvement to your life. Mm-hmm. If, if if that can happen, I think if just if all that happened out of this was like a lot of people in a community that I'd never reached before right. started separating their glass or looking, hopefully, instead of saying, "I'm going to copy him." saying, I want to get someone together with me, my husband, my wife, my kids, my neighbors, and say to them, you know, the technique, like listen to the first TEDx talk and you'll hear, you know, ask what does the environment mean to you? Go back and forth until they share something. Then when that comes out, you know, you, then they say, yes, you get it. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Then you say, oh, I invite your option to act on that. And people can do this. They'll bring people closer. Right. And especially people you care about. And then you make us, then you, now they have a task a little bit vague. So make a smart and then ask for accountability. Ask for, can we talk about it after you're done? Right. People, some people do separating glass and plastic. Some people, some people who might be like hardcore carnivores might say, I'm going to cut down my meat a little bit. I don't know. It's their business. Right. And your thing about separating glass and uh, plastic and glass is in other people, it's going to be the tree that they used to play in when they were a kid and it got cut down because they're building a shopping mall. Right. Or they swim with the dolphins and they are like, this is magical. And now that beach has more plastic than it used to. Or I don't know. It's their thing. You know, it's the time that they, they did that thing with their grandfather on that boat. Right. And people who grew up near the ocean tends to be ocean type things. People yeah. who grew up in the mountains tends to be mountain type <coughs> things. Uh, but sometimes it's like some movie they watched and like, oh my God, that could happen. I don't know. It's their business. Right. And But most people, if it evokes emotion... Well, they can either not act on it, in which case the emotion is not going to go away. It's just going to be pushed down right. and it's going to keep popping up in other places or they can act on it. And if there's some feeling of guilt and shame, that's, don't blame me. I didn't bring it on. If I'm exposing it, that's your, that's... Exactly. I'd rather someone brought it out in me so I could do something about it. I'm very strongly motivated by this article that I read when I was a kid. I, now it's memories and memories and memories, but it was the story in the Philadelphia Inquirer where they portrayed or they profiled this family it was some well-to-do family. And the son was on Coke and the TV was, the TVs were disappearing. The alien silver was disappearing. And the mom was like, he's a good kid. She would much rather not somehow not see the TV and silver disappearing than say, my son is hooked on, co- on cocaine. Right. And so it helped her sleep better every night. And a lot of people, I think are, they're doing what helps them sleep at night rather than facing feelings that they don't like. Because guilt and shame and anxiety, these are often things that like, if I sense something over there is going to make me feel that way, I'm going to go that way, away from the thing. Whereas if people feel guilt and shame, in my experience, and maybe other people have different experiences, facing it helps me overcome it. And it usually on the other side of it comes enthusiasm. So I think that exciting the feelings of guilt and shame just make people not want to talk to the person who is exciting the feelings. Even if that person didn't cause it, people think that person caused it. Mm Whereas if you can help them through to enthusiasm, then I predict that when people, if there's something that they they have a sense of like, this is contributing to something that might not, might be an outcome even I don't want. And then when they act on it and it relieves the feelings that they didn't like or brings them feelings that they do like, they're going to want to do more.
0: Right.
1: At least they'll want to share something of the experience of like, oh, it didn't, it wasn't how I expected. So it's not just talking. It's. Mm -hmm sharing experiences and hopefully leading someone to where they experience something that they will have a priority reprioritizing, a value reprioritizing experience that I don't want to lead the witness here. And maybe my saying it may lead you one way or another, but I think at the end of this, you're going to be, it's going to be easier for you. And you're going to have a feeling of like, oh, I could have done this a long time ago. All that time I was looking at the glass in there. I was like, I could have just taken it out. Now I'm taking it out. It's like, I don't put it in. Right. And if you if, if you keep doing it long enough, you may be like me and be like, maybe I'm just not going to get that in the first place. And then I'll have, I won't even have glass or plastic to put in there. I'll have less. Right. But that's, who knows what'll happen. It might happen that you do it and you're like, this is a pain. It's not getting anything done. And it's a, it's a bother. Right. That may happen. Uh-huh. My experience has shown me that that hasn't happened so much. But I also hope that people listening to this who would never heard me before have a feeling of like, oh, give it a shot. You know, right. Sit down with the husband and wife and do it. Or... Invite me onto their shows. And I don't know. I I just talked for a while. No, no. Everything
0: that you said makes perfectly good sense. And that's how, again, that's how all of this started. By me uh, meeting you or attending the class at Google and listening to what you had to say. One thing led to the next. Me wanting to see, you know, is this person for real? And uh, his approach is completely different from what I've experienced in the past or have seen and what others have seen. Definitely my followers on Twitter, and I know that some of them are probably listening to this. If they are listening to this, they're probably saying, oh my gosh, he's being converted over. I'm not being (laughs) converted over. Don't freak out or anything like that. But I will say that, again, as we started off saying, that we can all do something about the environment. We can all make a difference. And we're not doing what others are telling us that they think that we should do or the the world is not going to end when they think it's going to end. But I think that we can all come to an agreement that, we can do a better job of what we're doing now
1: with what has been given to us, so. Yeah, I, man, that was another Jonathan Height emotion that he said that is a bigger, the purity, I think that there's a spectrum of purity at one end and disgust at the other. And he was saying that like liberals aren't as big on that. And I was like, man, I walked down the street and I used to think New York, you look at pictures of New York in, in the 70s and 80s and it was like, we're not dirty compared to that. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, it's much cleaner than it was before, but I'm looking around, I'm like, there's a lot of garbage here. This is my neighborhood. This is where right. I live. I don't want to walk over garbage. Right. And I can't pick up all of it. Mm-hmm. When did this happen? When did this become acceptable? And I would be overjoyed if we simply, if, if there's a cultural shift of like not littering, right. not getting stuff that becomes litter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make you wonder the how disgust
0: is, How <sighs> does that, when you see something that's on the ground, it's been to look like it's been there, like a snicker wrapper. It's like, gosh. I always go back to when this was a Snicker at one point. <laughs> it was sitting at a store. Who bought the Snicker and then just tossed it to the side? Even when you're in the subway, you see the same thing. I'm like, that was a plastic bottle in a store with a drink in it. Someone literally bought it, took it out, decided to drink it on the subway, got done, and they discarded it. Yeah,
1: It's
0: like, are you serious? So those are the things that go to my. So again, that's where I think that conservatives are concerned about those types of issues but not to the degree of wanting to pass laws or attack people and say you must do this or the other thing we don't want to see garbage and trash all over the place but at the same time we don't want to attack anyone by saying you must do this you must cut this out and you must cut cut that out you know it's not where we're coming from at all There's a common, I think, a common goal that everyone has. It is to continue to living and making certain that we're living in the best world possible. But I think it is the approach and the politicalization of it is where people start to differ.
1: Yeah, I think of, um, if there's any competition I want to get going between different political, or any groups, is like to make places where there's strongholds cleaner and cleaner and cleaner as a way of getting votes. Of like, look how clean my city is. Oh, yeah, well, look how clean my city is. I would love for that to happen. That's a cultural shift. I could see right. like people competing. I guess it would be like a friendly competition mm-hmm. to be the cleaner city. Like who's Who wouldn't want to win that? Right. There's no garbage in my city. How happy would people... Right. My kids, they can walk to school and they, 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 no one would ever want to drop litter because they, that would be the first piece of litter. Exactly. exactly. I, would, yeah. I would love to foment that competition. Yep, yep. To get to a place, in society whereby we could
0: do that but again we would have to take out all the the politics and just make it just a people issue an issue of wanting to do better and you know again
1: uh it doesn't have to be that way that's the kind of thinking that gets us to the moon Uh and we did yeah yeah and we have to get back to that yeah and i think that there you know to get to the moon you need we, we were like big into science education engineering and I mean, what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, there's a, a groundswell of support. It wasn't just one thing. It was, it, there's a lot you have to do to make that work. Right. And I just see, it's really, it's really easy to connect with people on when people are sharing the things that they're doing heartfelt, right. when they're sharing compulsion, like I'm, I'm not supposed to do straws. So I'm not doing straws. Like that one doesn't fly so well, right. but if they saw a picture of a turtle with a straw and that motivated them. And they did it not because someone told them to, because they were like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I once saw a picture of, um, it was a seahorse carrying a Q-tip in its tail. Right, I saw that, yeah. I'm like, I don't think horses, horse fish, what what are they called? The seahorses are supposed to have Q-tips. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> Or the turtle with the straw in the nose. And I never bought Q-tips again. Really? Yeah, I was just like, I I, I can't, i look at it. I'm thinking, oh, but it feels so good when i clean my ear with it. Right. But then I'm like- if, there, if a seahorse is carrying my Q-tip, <laughs> I don't want that. I can a, do that q tip Right, and as
0: a side note, you do realize that Q-tips weren't designed for the ear? Yeah. I just realized that because I was reading the caption. It's like, you know, use it. I'm like, so what do you use it for? Why do people buy Q-tips? What is the purpose of a Q-tip? But I just yeah, thought... They it, use you know, it for that, <laughs> even though they're not supposed to. Right. It's like, yeah. Uh. But yeah, we, we, you know, I will try following through for the next two weeks, separating the plastic from the glass. Like I said, it will, you know, reduce the anxiety. The anxiety of knowing that I have to do it has increased slightly, ever so slightly. But, you know, I'll report back to you my findings if I am able how successful I was in uh, separating, keeping the two independent from the regular garbage.
1: So I propose we pick up here next time. Okay. And uh, I'd like to close with, is there anything I didn't think to ask or anything you want to say directly to listeners?
0: No, I think that we've covered a lot. Uh, I think that we've had a meaningful conversation uh, sharing you know, ideas and whatnot. And I, I also think that uh, being from, I don't know what side of the spectrum you're on politically, but I think that uh, people can have dialogue and disagree in a humane, so to speak, way without the noise level, the rhetoric being rationed up. You know, it it is possible. And I think it requires people agreeing to just stop and listen to what the other person is saying and allow that equal exchange of ideas. You get to talk, I get to talk. You stop, I stop, which most people don't want to do. They just want to keep going. And I think that during the conversation that we've had, we each had our fair amount of time to. Say what we wanted to say and whatnot. And it wasn't as though we were timing it, but it was part of the conversation and being truthful, as you say, being authentic
1: uh, to what we're both saying. I don't think I can add to that. <laughs> Rob Harper, thank you very much. Thank you. Rob shared a lot of conservatives' motivations around the environment. He also shared some personal environmental values of his and is acting on them. Not because I told them facts, figures, doom, gloom, or to think of the children, or other ways that I hear people, frankly, as I see it, bludgeoning others to comply. I can't wait to keep talking more and hear his results. Actually, I can't wait to collaborate more if we can. Partly, I want to keep learning perspectives that I don't know. As much as everyone I know who works in the environment, they hate Trump. They don't want to talk to anyone related to him. I don't understand why they don't want to talk to political conservatives. They, the conservatives, seem to be the ones to influence the most. I think they want a clean biosphere as much as anyone. My definition of leadership is helping people do what they want to, but haven't figured out how. I think they, I think the conservatives, want environmental leadership as much as anyone, just not to be guilted and shamed, especially not by people who pollute as much as American liberals do. I hope this conversation starts a collaboration to help conservatives enjoy acting on the environment. This is what I'm trying to do, independent of who's listening, to help people enjoy acting on the environment, to to where they really want to do it, to share their actions from joy, not coercion. In the long term, I hope to make environmental action and legislation a nonpartisan issue, like traffic. No one says that traffic lights or laws saying you can't cross double yellow lines. No one calls that some bureaucratic somewhere doing some nanny state thing. We all recognize that we all do better when traffic lights stop us sometimes, when we can't just drive wherever we want. My goal is to help American culture see things like dumping mercury in the water, dioxins, PCBs, greenhouse emissions, to see that the way we see traffic lights. And I consider this a step in that direction, one step of many to come. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuospodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating, others should act first, or making excuses, to the empowering, I can make a difference, and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior, There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.